0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Safety first. This is an old adage I'm sure all of you have heard before. Now, whether you've heard it from a parent, a teacher, a commercial, or even a cartoon, it's something that's deeply ingrained into our culture as one of our highest values. A car's safety features are often touted as one of its main selling points, Neighborhoods and cities are given safety ratings to influence home buyers and business. Home, auto, and life insurance guarantee us certain protections from accident or loss. And having safety as one of our values is a really good thing. It gives us the ability to go out and make our decisions and live our lives with confidence and assurance. And it's even labeled as one of the basic necessities for our physical and emotional health. Now, the protections and rights of certain people groups and our rights as citizens is a very common topic these days in our conversations. And no matter where you sit on this political spectrum in these discussions, it's something that we all long for. So perhaps, then, it's quite fitting that the parable in the gospel lessons today from Jesus has safety as one of its main talking points. More specifically though, the danger of safety. Jesus starts the parable in this way. A man who is about to go on a long journey entrusts his property to three of his servants. To the first one he gives five talents. To the second he gives two. And to that third servant he gives one talent. Then he goes away. Now, after receiving their talents, the first two servants went to the marketplace right away and traded with them, and they ended up doubling what they originally had. So that first servant went from having five talents to ten, and the second ended up with four. Now, a talent in the Bible is um, a unit of measurement, and is often used to refer to an amount of money in Jesus' day, and not just a little bit of money either. One talent in that day was worth 6,000 days of work in wages. So perhaps then it's better to think of these talents as really big bags of money that they were given from their master. But now what about the other guy? The guy who received just one talent? Well, he did something different. Looking at this enormous pile of money before him, he decides to go and promptly bury it in the ground and hide it until his master returns. But why did he do this? Well, here's his explanation. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Ah, that's what the problem. He was afraid. He wanted to play it safe. Now we know from this parable, though, that um, that's not how it ended up for him. So upon hearing this, the master orders that talent, that one talent he had, be taken away and given to the servant with 10. He then orders him to be cast out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. A pretty harsh sentence. Now, the first two servants were recognized and praised and rewarded for their work and welcomed into the joy of their master. But this third one suffered a much different outcome. He was kicked out. Now, whether or not the things he said about his master were true, Jesus makes it pretty clear with this parable that this guy just flat out made the wrong move. The third servant's motive? Fear. His motto was safety first. He didn't want to take his money and go into the marketplace and risk losing all of it just in case he got a bad deal or if there was a stock market crash. And he probably would have thought it would have been embarrassing too to be the only one who lost all of his money if it did go that route. And so his solution was to bury this money and hide it, just to hold on to it until that master returns. Now, an important thing to remember when we hear or read um, parables from Jesus is that they're metaphorical. And Jesus is using this story to tell us about the kingdom of heaven. He's telling us about, uh, he's telling us how things are in God's world. So in other words, this uh, parable is not uh, Jesus giving us investment advice. It's about something else entirely. But to get at the heart of what Jesus is telling us, some context is really helpful here. So if we go back one chapter to the beginning of Matthew 24. It says that the disciples came up to Jesus and asked to speak with him privately. They wanted to know about the end times, about the second coming of Christ. They alone wanted to know what to expect when this day would come. And so this parable is a part of Jesus' answer to their questions, and it sits within this larger private conversation. And so that means everything Jesus is saying in this parable is specific instruction for his disciples, his closest followers, the ones who were going to go out and proclaim the gospel to the world and start the early church. And so needless to say that um, their work was very important and Jesus was working to prepare them for this job because this job was going to be dangerous. And so here's what the parable we're focusing on today addresses. Faith in response to fear. Now one would think after getting to know Jesus and walk with him every day and to witness all these miracles, the disciples would be up to the task without any problem. That they would be able to stand in the face of any fear or persecution or challenge. Yet we know from their stories how that all turned out. They ended up acting like the third servant. Peter, who swore to his Savior that he would never deny him, denies him three times in a row. After Jesus was arrested and crucified, the disciples were nowhere to be found, hiding away. And even after Jesus was alive again, they doubted because they feared that the worst had happened. So much for taking the lesson of this parable to heart. Remember, This parable is a story told specially for them from Jesus. But fear like the third servant had crept into their hearts. And so what was Jesus' response to all of this? To put them in charge of the church. All the pain and the suffering that he went through on that cross was done to make people like these fearful disciples into the church. Into the place where true hope Forgiveness, life, and salvation may be found because they needed it. They lived in a world that was filled with fear. They lived in a world where the safest and most logical thing to do was to act like that third servant and stay out of the way and hide. But Jesus came to give them a new life, a forgiven life, a life that foolishly invests in this world, even if it should give nothing back. And even if they should lose everything. His disciples were given eternal safety in the promise of eternal life. And Jesus' life on earth was a dangerous one. But he was the only servant to go and risk it all and lose everything. Yet his holy work yielded an eternal, immeasurable return on investment. And it is his life that is entrusted into the lives of every disciple. So in this parable... The servants represent disciples, the master is Jesus, and the talents in the parable represent the lifetime of opportunities, relationships, and various gifts that each disciple has. And this is the job that Jesus was preparing his disciples for. Use everything in your life, your time, your relationships, your actions, your words, everything. Use all of this in service to our master. So, with all of that in mind, then, there's really only two types of servants in this parable. Those who work in service to their Lord, and those who don't. Those who use their talents, and those who do not. Those who go and bury it in the ground. Now, as Christians today, we are also Jesus' disciples. Assuredly, eternally, and safely given um, forgiveness forever and a seat at the table in heaven. And throughout history, the gospel has spread to a great multitude of people in all cultures and places all around the world. There are an estimated 2.3 billion people who believe in Jesus, who live on our world. That's roughly one-third of the earth's population. But there's still work to do. We are disciples. Now, I think the word disciple or discipleship has perhaps lost a little bit of its meaning or significance over the years. In the most general sense, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And that's certainly a good starting point. But what does it mean to be one? What does it look like for us today? Well, that's what this parable is giving us um, an answer to, an answer to the question of what a disciple looks like. The world for the church is starting to look a lot more like it did in the first century. In Europe and North America, the number of Christians is declining, steadily, and especially in our own LCMS church. These are saddening numbers. They're even scary to think about. Being a Christian here in North America just no longer carries the weight that it once did. Some now laugh off our faith as if it were some sort of fairy tale. Others look at the church and see, see it as a big country club where you have to buy your way in and think and look and act like everyone else just to belong to it. It's becoming foolish to believe in Jesus in the eyes of this world and society. And depending on where you live, this can be more or less the case. But it continues to head in this direction. So why is this happening? It's because we live in a world that's afraid. No doubt, the devil wants to use everything in his world to scare us. He wants to use this conflicted political environment to make us lose hope. He wants us to look at these church numbers and just give up. He wants us to be like that third servant, the one who forgot who his master is, the one who took what God gave him and buried it in the ground to hide it, the one who only knew fear. Because if fear is the only thing we have, we risk forgetting who Jesus is, just like that third servant. Fear makes us dwell on the things that separate us, the things that hurt us and push us away from God. Fear drives us to seek salvation inwardly. And if it's up to us, saving ourselves is the only option we'll take. And we know how that ends up from this parable. We have all been like this third servant. But we also know who our master is. Our master is the one who became a servant for us. And he chose the most dangerous path. He invested everything in the world, even when he knew it would give him nothing back. And he has begun a good work in us. A work that has brought us in the perfect communion with our Heavenly Father. A work that has given us a safety that the world cannot possibly give us. And a kind of safety that says nothing can separate us from the love of God. And this eternal safety is given to us in our salvation from sin and death. And with that, we can go forward safely in Christ. Now, I can't tell you what your faith may cost you. But I can promise you this. You are God's child. The Holy Spirit has created faith in your heart and he is sending you out into this world to foolishly invest your life in it. To be a witness, to be one who cares, to be one who loves, to be one who tells others about Jesus, even if it's risky, because you love them. He gives us the power to do this courageously through our time, our talents, our relationships, our jobs, our social media posts, everything. He gives us the power to do this. It could be a scary world out there, but fear only has so much power over us. Our lives have been entrusted to our Savior forever, and he is coming back to welcome all who believe into his eternal joy. Amen.